Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Believe in Saints. I know this voice probably sounds a little different to y'all. Joe Serralo here from Serralo Sports Talk. I'm filling in alongside the legend himself, former New Orleans Saint Terrence Copper. Terrence, how you doing today, man? What's going on, Joe? I'm excited to be here, excited to be talking shop with you for the first time, and we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. I think the Saints had an amazing first round. We'll cover mm -hmm. that. We'll get to rounds two and three tonight. And of course, the rest of the NFC South, the rest of the NFC, which seems like it's going to be wide open this year. I can't wait to see how the draft finishes up. Definitely. I think that, that division is wide open. Uh, Shucks, that conference is wide open, honestly. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, to me, I think that's the division that, where that conference is the conference that anybody can come out of there and win it. The AFC is a little tougher, but yeah, I, li I like the NFC. The NFC is wide open. No doubt, man. Hey, we'll get into it all. Before we do, though, I do want to remind everyone listening and watching that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest developments, updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures at betonline.ag. Look, it's super easy to get started. Just head on over, use your mobile device, and join using our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L. EAV, and you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Terrence, let's get into the Saints first round of the 2022 NFL draft. You know, we spoke a little bit yesterday before the draft, just trying to familiarize ourselves with one another. And mm -hmm. I asked you what you were thinking, and you said, got to give Jameis a weapon, got to protect him. Well, they did both of those things. So where do you rate their first night of the draft? Oh, I rated a A+. Plus. Matter of fact, I can't say A plus because I felt like receiver-wise, we drafted the right position, but I was looking for a different receiver, even though they didn't miss with this receiver yet, or hopefully they don't miss with them. But I was really hoping that they got Williams from Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Because I feel like the the way our offense is built uh, and with the quarterback that we have and the receivers we already have on the roster, we already have those possession receivers. We need a receiver. We needed a receiver that could really stretch the field. And not saying the draft pick that we drafted can't stretch it, but he don't have Williams' speed. And Williams has proven to really stretch the field for, for how, how he did for Alabama. So I was hoping we could going to draft him, but I'm okay with how it went, especially drafting the receiver first and O-lineman second. Well, you know, I, I'm actually with you on that to an extent. I think Jamison Williams was the best wideout in this class. I think that if he doesn't get injured in the title game, he's probably the first wide receiver taken. And, you know, this guy, when you talk about a speed demon who stretches the field, right, he's that to an extreme. Like, mm -hmm. he is comparable to Tyreek Hill. And, you know, I don't care if you're running a 4-2, 4-3, not too many guys out there can be Tyreek Hill. I think Jamison Williams actually can. Yes. So I understand what you're saying there. He was my top receiver. But unlike a lot of people who had, you know, Garrett Wilson up there, Drake London up there, my mm -hmm. number two was actually Chris Olave. I thought mm -hmm. he was the best wideout on Ohio State. And obviously you had the two Ohio State guys go back to back in Wilson mm -hmm. and Olave. But I liked his game a little more. He's a touchdown magnet. And I think while, yeah, he doesn't have the blazing speed that Jamison Williams has, he's still pretty damn fast. And I think he'll be a great compliment to Michael Thomas, who, of course, like you just said, you know, is that possession receiver is not going to burn a secondary deep um I think they're going to complement each other really well I'm really excited about this man yeah I'm excited to see how they're going I'm excited to see how they're going to use them 
Mm -hmm. uh, what what type of what type of way they're going to use him? Are they going to put him in a slot? Are they going to move him to the outside? Uh, what are they going to do with him? That's what I'm concerned about now. Okay, how are you going to use him? Uh, but I'm sure they're going to do a great job with him. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely interested to see how they're going to use him. Yeah, I'm just really relieved to be honest that the Saints didn't bite on the quarterback and go in that direction. You know, there were a lot of mocks that had him sitting. You know, late. Of course, they traded up to get Olave. A lot of mock drafts had them staying later in the teens. And, you know, taking a Kenny Pickett, taking a Malik Willis. But, you know, I, I don't know. Tell me how you feel about this. I think Jameis Winston this year is a better option than any of these rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't – I'm glad they didn't take a quarterback. Uh, to me, I don't feel like this draft class was a good draft class for quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And you already have Winston on your roster. You just paid him. There's no need to draft another quarterback. I feel like you would have wasted a draft pick drafting one of these quarterbacks. Not saying these guys aren't good players, but – I'm not going to waste a first round draft pick on a quarterback in this draft when I just paid my quarterback and just got it and just got my quarterback uh, on the roster for a little long, a little while longer. So I'm glad we didn't go quarterbacks. I didn't think this was the draft class for it. Now, if it was last year, I want to say maybe last year, two years ago, I may would have drafted a quarterback out of that yeah. draft class, but not out of this one. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, last year it was like five guys that you couldn't miss on. And mm -hmm. this year, it's five guys that you don't know if you'll be able to hit on a single one of them. It's, yep, it's polar opposite. <laughs> hey, so when, when you look at their second first round pick, I, I'm, I'm in love with the Olave pick. I agree with you. I actually tweeted at you when they traded up. It's got to be Jamison Williams, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't. I still love the pick, though. Now, when you look at the offensive lineman, Trevor Penning, the kid out of Northern Iowa, right idea. They, they mm -hmm. got some protection. They need protection. They really need a left tackle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Penning's going to be able, though, to step in and play left tackle at this level. I think he'll make an impact somewhere, whether it's right tackle or at a guard position. I don't know about left tackle. What are your thoughts on Penning's style and where he fits with the Saints? Uh, well, I think he's going to have to learn how to play left tackle. Uh, there's no way around it. You know, he, we drafted him for tackle. Um, we have a tackle, a right tackle already. Uh, so... I feel like that's a great pick for him. Like I said, you don't know how he's, he's going to adjust to it. And truthfully, you don't know how any of these guys are going to adjust to the NFL game because a lot of it is mentality-wise. I've seen guys that get drafted in the in the seventh round, like a Marcus Colston, that only caught for 700 yards at the most in his college career coming out of Hoshra. And he get the New Orleans Saints, and he go for 1,000 yards his first year out of the box. You know, yes, so – I, then, I love the Hofstra reference, by the way. As a Long Island guy myself, my mom went to Hofstra. I, lo yeah. I love Marcus Colston, man. <laughs> and then you have guys that come into the league, you know, that was high-profile guys that don't last as long. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on mentality-wise how guys adjust to playing. And I feel like with this guy coming in, I feel like he's going to make the adjustment. Uh, and I think we'll be fine. I, I have a lot of faith in the New Orleans Saints front office. And there's always reasons to why they're choosing guys, uh, choosing certain guys from certain schools and the way they do certain things. And I really feel like uh, he was a great draft pick for us. Yeah, I mean, look, the front office is wonderful, right? I mean, it's they're one of the models of continuity in this league. Obviously, you've got the Patriots, the Steelers, mm -hmm. and the Saints are not far behind. You know, they're the not. Saints are every year, you know, in the playoffs or right on the cusp last season. Obviously, I think they were tied with the Eagles, same record and miss mm -hmm. the playoffs on, a, on account of a tiebreaker. So yeah. they know what they're doing. They usually hit somewhere on these picks. You know, when I look at Penning, 
my notes, you know, are in terms of pros of his, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a dog, you know, he, he fights yeah. through the whistle blocks after the whistle, which you love to an extent, mm-hmm. but on the negative side, highly, highly, highly penalized guy. And when you're stepping in playing, I think the most difficult position, you know, to adjust to in the NFL left tackle at, at that level, it's so much different than going from a small school in Northern Iowa to all of a sudden you're blocking, you know, Von Millers and these all pro edge rushers, mm-hmm. it's going to be an adjustment. So he was already highly uh, penalized in college. Going to be interesting to see, you know, I'd imagine his rookie year, he's probably going to have the same issue. And then I think his footwork was a little bit slow, which obviously is something he cannot afford, something Jameis cannot afford to have at this level. The guy who I was eyeing with this pick, and, you know, some people said he was a round two, round three pick, but obviously just kind of like how all the wideouts went in a row, the way that offensive linemen started to go in a row, I think teams started to reach. But I love Tyler Smith, and I'm sure you know him well being an East Carolina guy. You know, same conference there, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. I think he's just got all the athleticism and the mean streak that you want out of an offensive lineman. Exactly. Uh, that would have been a good pick, but it just all depends. To me, it all depends on how these guys look when they when they turn the film on. Yeah. Uh, what are these scouts looking at when they go down to the senior bowl to look at these guys? Uh, what are they what are they seeing, you know, that like, ah, I like this guy better than this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and even with the pick that we did have, Sometimes these guys come in that they may not be coached as well, you know, when they're in college, especially coming from small colleges, not not knocking any college coaches or anything like that. But when you come from a small college, it's a big difference between how you get coached in a small college and when you get to the NFL. And I feel like the Saints have a good offensive line coach that's going to come in now that can teach these guys something because uh, that's always about technique, 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 technique. And that's going to that's what's really going to separate the best guys from the guys that's not really producing is technique and film study and understanding the foundation and the fundamentals of whatever position they're playing. So uh, I'm excited to see how, how they develop these guys uh, when they come in because new Orleans are great for developing talent. You know, you have a lot of guys that came to new Orleans that really may not have been the most sought out players coming in, but when they get to new Orleans, they produce because they get developed. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, Colston, like you just mentioned, he's a perfect example of that. Jahari Evans on the offensive line not too long ago. You know, great example of that. So, yeah, the Saints, in terms of player development, here's a guy that they deem worthy of being a first-round talent. So if they can Mm -hmm. develop a first-round talent and make him even better, make him reach his maximum potential, I mean, he could definitely be scary there and give Jameis a lot of protection up front. Mm -hmm. Now, the Saints don't have a lot of picks this year. They've only got one pick between rounds two and five, and that is the 49th overall pick tonight. So tonight, they will be the 17th team on the clock, barring any trades. What direction do you feel like they should go in? Your first two needs were wide out, O-line, they addressed them. Do they go another O-lineman, D-tackle, linebacker? What what are you thinking, quarterback even? Uh, You know what? I think if you don't go another offensive lineman, Mm -hmm. if you don't go another offensive lineman, I think you go safety. Ooh, okay. I think, I think you get you a safety. Uh, you know, we just had one of our, our better safeties just retire, you know, so I think you go safety. But if you have another offensive lineman up there that you can get a steal because you can never have enough offensive linemen, it, especially the way we got hurt last year. We was beat up last year at offensive line position. So if you can find another, another steal of another offensive lineman, 
you wouldn't be upset about it. But if you can't find an offensive lineman you want, I will go safety. How about yourself? I mean, you know, I, I was not expecting that. You know, I was looking at more, you know, front seven on mm-hmm. defense. But you're right, with Malcolm Jenkins retiring, it, it does make sense to definitely fill that void. And, you know, God knows he was he was always one of the more constantly – you know, reliable players in the game, whether he was with the Saints or the Eagles. I mean, the guy was an Ironman. Forget missing games. He didn't miss snaps. I mean, I think Jenkins over his career had one of the highest uh, snap percentages of any player in league history. Like the guy just did not come off the field, especially at that position. You know, usually safeties are constantly rotating in and out. And Mm -hmm. Jenkins just, you know, there's a reason he was a captain everywhere he went. The guy did not leave the field. Personally, I'm leaning offensive lineman if there's one guy on the board. And that's mm-hmm. Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. He's okay. a project. But, I mean, the, the guy's from Austria. He's, you know, they, they call him the Schwarzenegger of college football. He is just <laughs> a physical specimen. And, you know, I think while, you know, he's a lot of raw talent and, and not the most fundamentally sound football guy, I think that he can definitely be a great addition to this O-line. You talk about player development in New mm-hmm. Orleans. I think he's a guy who, you know, even if he's a project, he's worth it at the 49th pick. But if you want to go defense and you want to get a guy to just, you know, I think defensive tackle is a bit of a hole right now for the Saints, a mm-hmm. guy instantly to just clog up the middle. You've got Perry and Winfrey out of Oklahoma, who I love, wowed a lot of people at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then if he's not on the board, DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M, he's a guy who people were talking about being a first round pick not too long ago. And then all of a sudden throughout the combine process, he slipped down. I think his game film speaks louder to me than his combine. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, he's just, he's, he's a big body that can wreak a lot of havoc up front. Oh, those, that would be a good pick. Can you, and the crazy thing about it is their defense was so great last year. Like their run defense was amazing last year. Uh, speaking of the saints, you know, they, I feel like the way their defense was set up, the way their defense was built, this year coming in, of course, every year is a new year. It's, it's not you're not going to be the same team, even though you may have the same personnel. You're still not the same team as you were last year. So I feel like adding a guy like that to the D line would definitely help out a lot. Uh, if we could get somebody like that to help stop the run, because everybody knows if you can stop the run and, and make a team one dimensional, your chance of winning games goes through the roof. So to me, like I said, D-line would definitely be a good one to go with. So to me, I, like you said, D-line or either safety, I feel like either one of those two picks would be a great one. Yeah, either way, I think we're on the same page. Address the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, unless there's an offensive lineman that you love, you can never have enough of those guys up front. But, yep. you know, you, you're pretty good on skill positions. You've got Kamara in the backfield. You've got quarterback figured out. Some people are saying, oh, draft your quarterback of the future. I just think when you don't have a lot of picks early, you know, you only have three picks before the 161st overall that's your next pick after 49 I just think it would be a waste to take a quarterback with this pick that's true and you know what you brung up a name that I forgot all about Kamar his his off the field situation what is going to happen with that because now if he's going to get suspended you know if he's going to get disciplined for I don't know how many games do you need to draft another running back well, guys are going to be available at 49. I mean, right now, no running back was taken. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, the guys are there. It's just, it's difficult because, it, you know, like I said, same thing with the quarterback situation. When you don't have a lot of other picks early on in the draft, it, it makes it difficult, you know, like, hey, we're at 49. We can get an immediate impact defensive tackle. Do we need the running back here? How much of a need is that? 
especially yeah. when it seems like there's still pretty viable running back options out in the free agency. I mean, there are guys, the running back position is just becoming really more and more replaceable by the day in the NFL. Does that surprise you at all? Not at all. It don't it doesn't surprise me because the NFL has turned into a pass happy, uh, pass happy league. Yeah. You know, so running backs, I mean, if you can get you a solid running back, but like you said, you don't have to pay a lot of money to get a running back. You don't have to draft a running back in the first round anymore. You can go through free agency or, or get a steal late in the draft for a running back because running backs are dime a dozens now. Uh, you can, as long as you can find a running back that has, that has good agility, uh, that has adequate speed, you know, you can find a good running back somewhere, but it's tough to find those good offensive linemen. It's tough to find good receivers, of course, quarterbacks. But like you said, running backs are kind of, you know, you can find a running back somewhere. Yeah, there's no doubt, man. I mean, look, you know, and I'm a Giants fan. I, I told you this, I believe, off camera. But <laughs> you, you look at, you know, their situation with Saquon Barkley. And look, mm-hmm. I, I believe firmly that a big part of that is the offensive line has been a disaster there his entire career. And mm-hmm. I think that's led to his injuries. But you look at Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, two guys drafted really early that barely stay on the field. And mm-hmm. then you look at some other guys, Jacksonville, what they've got in James Robinson, or what the Chargers have in Austin Eckler. Both mm-hmm. of those guys are undrafted. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're better than Saquon or McCaffrey, but they're producing more than right. Saquon and McCaffrey are because they're staying on the field and that's half the battle right there. And yep. so, you know, with the running back market, you know, yeah, maybe you don't even have to draft one. You can, you know, try out some of these undrafted guys and, you know, teams have been striking gold on undrafted free agents. That's true. And, and you hit it right on the head. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you can't stay on the field, it don't really matter. You always have to be available. I remember when I played for, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Coach Parcells, his famous words were, you can't help the club in the tub. And you can't help us if you constantly hurt, if you constantly uh, not available to play, if you constantly hurt, you constantly in the training room getting treatment, you know, you can't help us regardless how good you are. So if you can't be available for the team, you know, your talent really doesn't matter. You got to be able to, to display it on the field. Yeah. The, the, I mean, they always say, you know, uh, the best ability is availability. But I I like that one a little better. You can't help the club in the tub. Hey, you know, I mean, look, I I know that this is a Saints show, obviously, and I'm I'm tying this into my Giants. I'm sorry to all of our uh, audience out there. But you got to humor me on this one. Since you played for Parcells, what what was that like playing? I mean, he's known to be like one of the biggest characters in the history of the game. You know what? He is a tough coach, Mm -hmm. but he's a fair coach. He's fair, you know, and he he don't show favoritism. Uh, If you can play, you can play. It didn't matter if you was a a free agent. It didn't matter if, if you was a second round draft pick because he's cut second round draft picks before, yeah, you know, yeah. so it, it doesn't, it didn't matter how you got to his team, but if you produced, you're going to play, you're going to get an opportunity. And so that's one thing that I loved about coach Parcells. He was a hard nosed coach, but he was a fair coach. So if you went out there and did your job and did it well, you will get an opportunity to play. But to me, it really wasn't about, Coach Parcells, per se, his assistant coaches, his assistant coaches were the ones that was, you know, the tough guys like they're going to you're going to get dog cussed, uh, you're going to get fussed out, you know, but it's because of the pressure that he put on his assistant coaches to do their job well. You know, those was the guys that was, you know, the ones that was kind of on you a lot. Coach Parcells, he just kind of oversee, overseen everything. 
But those assistant coaches, those position position coaches, you know, he really had them stern on his players. And he had one hell of a coaching tree. Who, who were some of those assistants in Dallas? Because I know in New York, it was obviously Belichick, everyone, you know, the most famous mm-hmm. of them all. But then also Tom Coughlin, Sean Payton. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he had a branch of Super Bowl winners. Who was with him in Dallas when you were there? So you had uh, Todd Haley, who was my receiver coach. Okay. Todd Haley was there. Uh, you had Sean Payton, who was the offense coordinator before he went to New Orleans. Uh, who else we have? Uh, Mo Carthon, he was the running back coach there. Uh, that's just to name a few of them, but we had some good coaches there, man. That was, that really knew what they was doing, uh, especially up under coach Parcells. Yeah. I mean, and Sean Payton, you know, I just mentioned he had success with the giants, then with Dallas, he, uh, one of the best coaches, how much do you think he's going to be missed this year in new Orleans? Do you think Dennis Allen's in a great position to succeed? I think he is. I think he's in a great position. He's going to be missed. There is nobody like coach Payton. Mm-hmm. There's nobody like coach Payton. But I think Dennis Allen, Coach Allen, has he has the right people in place, uh, especially when it comes to offense. I think Coach Allen, he's going to do an amazing job with the defense like he does every year. But they have Pete. Pete is Pete Carmichael is still there. Yeah. You know, and and Pete was always with Coach Payton. He was Coach Payton right hand man. He knows everything. So when Coach Payton left, you know, I was like, ah, man, it's, it's sad that he's leaving because of his leadership, but offensively, I think the offense is going to keep right on rolling because you got Coach Pete there, and he knows, like he knows that offense like the back of his hand. So I'm excited to see what he does with the offense, being able to run it the way he wants to run it. And, of course, he's still going to have a little bit of Coach Peyton in him because that's who he was with the entire time. So I'm excited to see what offense what we do offensively. Yeah. And, look, I think the offense is going to be – it's going to be Pete and Sean's offense, right? Like Sean might not be there, but – I think the continuity will be there. And, you know, I I think one of the biggest reasons for that, because last year, Jameis, you know, obviously got injured, didn't play the full season, was doing really well prior to Mm -hmm. his injury. But I think the biggest reason for that is the year before. The fact that Jameis spent a full season as Drew Brees' understudy, learning Mm -hmm. from Sean, learning from Drew, learning from Pete. He set himself up and the organization up to have continuity when Sean and Drew eventually moved on. And so... I mean, I don't know. I personally, when I saw Jameis was doing that, because people love to bash Winston and Mm -hmm. it really bothers me. When I saw he was doing that, I was like, this is the guy who who knows that his future is more important than right now, which was what, 2020 or 2019 at the time. Like Mm -hmm. he was investing in his future, taking that backup year. I think Baker Mayfield could learn a lot from that. I think Baker should go do the same thing Winston did, maybe be a backup in Tampa Bay or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just kind of take a year to recollect himself. Both guys, Jameis and Baker, top overall picks. You know, humble yourself a little bit like Winston did. Yep. And then be set up for success in the future. Because I think Winston taking that one year as a backup, I think that's all the difference in the world. I think that's why the Saints this year, I mean, especially with the weekend NFC, should definitely be a playoff team. Oh, definitely. Uh, and like you hit it right on the head. Like he came, he came from a Tampa Bay team that he put up numbers. Yeah. You know, he put a lot of numbers up, you know, but he, he also threw 30 interceptions, you know, <laughs> yeah. a little over 30 interceptions. So by him coming to New Orleans and being able to be around Drew Brees and be around Coach Payton, because Drew, one thing about him, he always made good decisions majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Drew Harley ever threw interceptions. When he threw an interception, it was like, what just happened? You know, because you're not used to it, even in practice. 
he didn't throw interceptions in practice. Uh, Drew Brees, he, he never threw interceptions in practice. So wow. anytime you see him throw an interception, it was like, okay, what happened? Did first thing you're thinking about, you're thinking about, did the receiver run the wrong route or was it the receiver fault? You know, because that's the type of quarterback Drew is. He take care of the ball. He take care of the ball and he take what the, what the defense gives him. And by the fact that Jameis Winston had a chance to sit behind him and watch how he managed the game and watch how he picked and chose when he take chances, you know, I think that was Winston's biggest culprit was he was forcing a lot of things and just throwing in. And even and honestly, even last year was some times where he kind of forced some throws, but it didn't turn out to interception, but it easily could have, you know, so I think him just learning how to take what the defense give him and pick and choose when he's going to force some some throws. I think that's going to help his career tremendously. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I just wanted him to be able to stay out there and be healthy for a full season because I think mm -hmm. Jameis Winston for 17 games, I mean, I really believe he can be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback in, in that conference. I mean, you've obviously got Rodgers and Brady at the top. You've got Stafford out with the Rams. But I think Jameis Winston, you know, outside of those Hall of Fame superstar guys, I think he can be right on that next tier and that the Saints can be very successful. I mean, look, as it is, you know, we, we touched on that defense last year. This team had no offense. When Winston got hurt, I mean, you were tossing in Simeon at quarterback and the Taysom Hill experiment is one I haven't understood for four years. And it's like you were winning games just on defense alone, beating Tampa Bay without Jameis Winston twice. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it's ridiculous, you know? So, what, do you, what do you think about Taysom Hill at the quarterback position? I don't what think he has any business playing quarterback. None at all. I think so? I, I, don't, I don't mince words with this one. No, I think Taysom Hill at quarterback is a disaster, truthfully. Oh my God. And see, with me, I kind of like him at the court. I understand why really? they move him to tight end. I understand why they move him, but because you need to have a talent like that on the field. But truthfully, I liked him at quarterback. I just feel like last year he got a he got a raw deal because he's injury. The first the first injury was his foot, you know, or maybe the second injury. But the other and injury he's a runner, was, so that's that's a bad injury to have. Exactly. And then the other injury, he had a dislocated his finger on his throwing hand mm -hmm. so I don't know if anybody ever had a dislocated finger or some type of torn tendon on their throwing finger or their throwing hand but I've tore my tendon in my left hand when I was playing and you can't grip that ball the way you need to grip it you can't do it you know so if you play in the quarterback position and you're trying to throw with a messed up finger on your throwing hand I feel like that's a disadvantage so I I just still never felt like he had I'm not going to say a fair shot because he did. He had a chance to, to, to play the quarterback position. But I just never seen him healthy to where I feel like he could display his talent in full without injury. At the end of the day, two-minute drill, fully healthy Taysom Hill. Is he a guy that you trust to march your team down the field and win a game for you? Because I trust Jameis Winston. I don't trust Taysom Hill. I'm waiting for him to make a mistake. I trust Taysom Hill because of his legs. Because when things break down, uh -huh. he can just take off. You know, that's why I trust Taysom Hill. I, I feel like he still can throw it, um, but I trust him because of his legs. If you don't have a linebacker spine on him, that could be problems for you if you're a defense. You know, mm -hmm. so that's why I trust Taysom Hill. Uh, I, I still feel like, okay, he don't have to be a starter. You don't, have, you don't even have to name him as the backup. It could be Winston's job, full-fledged, that's his job. So Winston's not looking over the shoulder. Mm -hmm. But I would still have packages for Taysom Hill to come in at the quarterback position.
Oh, agreed. I, and that's where I agree with you 100%. Like, I'd have wildcat packages. You know, he can yes. throw two passes a game. Yep. But to me, it's like he should be nowhere near a conversation of starting quarterback. I don't no. think for 60 minutes, you know, kickoff to final whistle that, uh, that that he's a quarterback who can win you a ball game, especially when, you know, Jameis Winston, there's a reason this guy was the first overall draft pick, right? If he's not out there making mistakes, there's no questioning his talent. Mm -hmm. the, the questioning was always his decision making. And yeah, that seems right. like that ship's been righted. And so I, I can't wait to see him moving forward. I do want to talk about a few other picks, a few other things from the first night of the draft. Mm -hmm. Looking at the rest of the NFC South, I want to look at the Falcons first, because just like the Saints, they went wide receiver. Mm -hmm. What did you think of that pick, Drake London, and the outlook for Atlanta going into this year? I think that was a great pick for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was great because he's long. Yeah. He's, what, what 6'3"? I think 6'5". He played ball at USC. He was playing basketball and football yeah. at USC. You know, so I like that pick especially paired with the tight end they, they picked, they drafted, what, a year or two ago? A year ago, Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Yeah, so I like them two together. I like those guys, especially when you have length. That's one thing that a lot of DBs struggle with, the length of other receivers that's out there. And if you got a six-foot receiver out there, a lot of times you're going to have a DB that's about 5'11", 6 feet, 5'10". That's really not a big mismatch unless you're just more quicker than he is getting out of your breaks, good route runner. But when you have 6'5 out there versus a 5'11 defensive back, you know, his catch radius is all over the place. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that's a great pick for Atlanta. I still don't know if it's enough, especially with them losing their – I don't trust Mariota. I don't trust yeah. him at the quarterback position, you know, yeah. so. Well, it's, I, it's because I, of what we talked about before, you know, like availability, durability. I mean, Mariota yep. – I love the guy, but he just, it's like when it's not, if he's going to get injured, it's when he's going to get injured. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's how his career has shaped up. So I agree with you a thousand percent there. Yeah. That's so that's how I feel about Atlanta, but I think it was a great pick they got, but I don't think it's enough. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, with them, it's like, yeah, they downgraded at quarterback, you know, Matt Ryan, I still think even though he's not mobile, which maybe they were looking for a guy who's a little more mobile. I still think Matt Ryan is a better passer than Marcus mm -hmm. Mariota. And then losing Calvin Ridley, you know, the Falcons' best chance, especially in a wide-open NFC, would have been have Matt Ryan, have Calvin Ridley, have a competent offense. You know, Cordero Patterson was incredible a year ago, the hybrid do-it-all guy. We all do all of it. Right? And, and then build on your defense. That would have been the best case for Atlanta. But yep. now, because they lost Ridley, they had to draft a wideout. So that, that, that's a wasted pick that they could have had on the defensive side of the ball. And it's like, you know, yeah, their offense, you know, there will be games where Atlanta puts up 35 points, but will they be losing 42 to 35? I, I just, you know, don't trust their defense at all, which is the polar opposite of the situation that the Saints are in. Exactly. Uh, our defense is everybody trusts the defense with the Saints. Our, our biggest thing was the offense. And I feel like we've we've corrected that with the draft picks that we had. Just even, even if we don't draft any more offensive guys, just the two guys that we drafted, I feel like is enough for us to get over that hump. I agree. I agree hundred percent, man. And let, let, let's look at what Carolina did with their first pick. Mm -hmm. They took the O-lineman, Ike Aquanu. He was my top rated offensive lineman on the board. I love him. Talked about Tyler Smith and that mean streak. Aquanu to me just has that mean streak. He's got that fierce athleticism. So I think Carolina hit a, hit a home run with him, but by taking him, they're pretty much committing that Sam Darnold is going to be their quarterback this season. Does that make you happy? I see you smiling. Are you like, oh, man, we're going to intercept him seven times this year? Like, I, I like him at the quarterback position because 
I don't think he's the quarterback for the for the uh for Carolina. Yeah. But I'm a Saints guy. So <laughs> so you love it. I love it. I love that he's there. Uh but honestly, and at the end of the day, I feel like Donald is still the better quarterback now than what they could have chosen to draft. This to me, this just wasn't a good draft class for quarterbacks. Wow. Uh, I still feel like Sam Donald is the better choice uh, at the quarterback position. So I think they just stuck. So the best thing they can do is try to give them as much time possible. So draft your old lineman. Damn. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say Jameis Winston is a better option than the guys in this quarterback draft class because Winston, he's a good quarterback. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying Darnold is better, then you're saying that you have zero faith in these guys, huh? No, I don't. I don't have, you know, I think everybody that, that has gotten drafted at the quarterback position, I don't think they come in as starters as day one at day one. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're starters day one. I think, I think they sit out a year. I can say sit out a year, but I think they kind of, they have to learn behind uh, another professional quarterback that's or that already have on the roster, whatever team they go to. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just don't think these guys that are coming out, I'm not saying they're not talented, but I don't think they're, they're going to come into the league ready to go week one. Yeah. I just don't see it. I know. I completely agree. I mean, even Pittsburgh, you know, they took Pickett in the first round, but I think he's going to sit at least half a season Mm -hmm. behind Trubisky over there with the Steelers, by the way. Do you think that the Steelers were really convinced that Kenny Pickett was the best quarterback on the board? Or do you think part of them got a little emotional, a little sentimental, and they went with the University of Pittsburgh guy to stay with the Steelers? Do you think the storyline altered their decision at all? No, no. I I think that organization is a top-notch organization. I think they know exactly what they're doing. uh, And I don't think, they make they make decisions. I don't think any team uh, that are good teams in the NFL and has a good standard the way the Steelers. I don't think any team make um, make decisions off emotions because mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, it's still a business. And if and if you're putting emotions into it, it's not going to work out well. Yeah, you know, you got to take emotions out of it and make the right choice for your ball club, regardless if it's a hard decision or easy decision, but you can't put emotions in it when it's, when it comes to making business decisions like that. Cause at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a business decision. So I don't think they put emotions into it that way. I feel like they felt like he was the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah. I think you're a thousand percent right. And look, I mean, of all people, if I heard that Cliff Kingsbury made an emotional draft pick, made an emotional decision, I'd expect that, right. It wouldn't shock me, but Mike Tomlin is as stoic and serious and, Honestly, I mean, he's just as good a coach as there is in the National Football League. So I I wouldn't see Mike Tomlin flubbing that pick at all. The last thing I want to ask you before we uh, we wrap up this episode of Believe in Saints, you are Mm -hmm. a wide receiver. So Mm -hmm. I got to ask you about a a team that really struggles at the wide receiver position, hasn't drafted one in over 20 years in the first round, the Green Bay Packers. How do you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, Terrence? And not give him any damn weapons. Don't know. And it's like, I feel like they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, at this like point, it feels spiteful. Yeah, I feel like they're doing it on purpose. I don't, I don't get it. Like they're they've never given uh Aaron Rodgers a good receiver. They never drafted a receiver, I don't think, when he was there. Why he was not, not in the first round, no. Not the first round, you know. So, and then you lose your best receiver to the Raiders, you know. So I don't know. I don't know what the Packers are thinking. 
I would like to know what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. I would love to see or hear what he has to say about all these things uh, because I just don't get how you have a Hall of Fame quarterback that's still in his prime and you don't give him the weapons around him when he, when he just lost his best weapon. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what Aaron Rodgers was thinking. He was thinking the same thing you were. He said that Jamison Williams was his favorite wide receiver in this draft class. He said mm-hmm. he was the most NFL-ready guy. I said this in the Pat McAfee show last night. said wow. Jamison Williams was the most NFL-ready guy to him. But once the Saints jumped up, or, or rather, I'm sorry, um, once the Lions jumped up and got mm-hmm. him at pick 12 right after the Saints jumped up for Olave, the guy Rodgers was targeting was Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. But then Tennessee, of course, made that trade with the Eagles, grabbed Burks at 18. And at that point, I guess Green Bay didn't think that Christian Watson or Sky Moore out of Western Michigan was worth a pick in the 20s, and they just went defense. I still think it should have been Watson or Moore with their second pick. I don't get – and I love Devontae Wyatt. I love that Georgia defense. I mean, there was – you know, Bulldogs is the perfect team name for them because those guys were Bulldogs, right? They were just right. fierce. Like, you know, they, they, those guys just – they had that Bulldog mentality. Um mm-hmm. But when you look at a a defensive tackle for a Green Bay team that I thought their defense was actually really improved last year, Mm -hmm. a defensive tackle who doesn't play three downs is not worth a first round pick in that system. (laughs) Like you you could go out and maybe it's a reach. Sure. But you don't have an early pick in the second round. So, you know, those guys, Watson, Moore, George Pickens out of Georgia, like those guys can all get taken before the next time Green Bay is drafting. And then what the hell are you going to do? Right. It just Brian Gudikins. I, I mean, he's really leaving a lot of people scratching their heads over there. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I know Rogers. He has to be bowling right now. He has to be. Yeah. He's uh, not so happy. I, yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. Uh, and honestly, by them not drafting a receiver high. I mean, you still got Aaron Rodgers, so you can never count him out. And they still going to have a pretty good defense. But I just. Put it this way, if he was in the AFC, I don't think they make the playoffs. No, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Look, I mean, you know, the way things are right now, this might be a crazy thing to say, but the way that they drafted going into this season, the Detroit Lions might have a better offense than the Green Bay Packers. I can't argue that. I mean, I they, got, they got Jamison Williams. That's right. I can't <laughs> argue it. <laughs> you, you got Jamison Williams, DJ Chark. I'm on Ross St. Brown, who had an amazing year last year as a rookie. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, DeAndre Swift, if he can stay healthy in the backfield. I'm not going to say Jared Goff is comparable to Rodgers, but mm-hmm. the weapons around them. I mean, Green Bay has a better quarterback and the better running back with Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. But, and, and TJ Hawkinson at tight end. I mean, Detroit at wide out and tight end across the board is better off than Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to be a better team, but my goodness, it's like the Packers just dropped the ball completely on giving Rodgers weapons. They did. And and talking a little bit about Detroit Lions last year, I know they didn't win a lot of games last year, but they was in all of their games last year. They could have won all of their games last year. It wasn't like they were just getting hammered or getting slaughtered every single game. You know, so I think this year Detroit may turn it around this year and, and probably be very successful. They may be a playoff team this year, truthfully. I mean, the whole conference is so damn wide open. And you know what I loved about that Detroit team was they played with balls. You know, I mean, they, they played with reckless abandon. What they did against the Rams coming out, and they did like the, the fake punt on the fourth down and then the surprise onside kick, and they jumped out on that early lead on the Rams. They couldn't sustain it. But, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, they were in the game. I mean, yep. some of the wins that they had, they beat Arizona, 
you know, when Arizona was like in full steam ahead, you know, leading the NFC West at the time, Detroit mm-hmm. went in there and, and that game wasn't even close. You know, they played Minnesota right. really close twice and beat them once on that last play of the game. You know, uh, again, I'm not here saying the Detroit Lions are going to be winning the Super Bowl next year, but <laughs> but my goodness, you know, they're a team that plays with heart. And if there's one thing I feel like is missing at Green Bay at times, they have the talent, but I don't know if they have the heart. I think it's part of the reason they get bounced in the postseason prematurely every single year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, but one thing about Detroit Lions, and I know it's not a Detroit Lions podcast, but <laughs> their, their head coach, teams take on the personality of your head coach. And I had a chance to play with Dan Campbell uh, when he we was in Dallas together. Mm-hmm. And tr- the way they were playing for him, uh, the way they come out and they, they're tough guys, uh, they play for their, their, uh, their head coach. You know, he's an emotional head coach. You know, so that's, that is him. The way their team is playing, how hard they play, uh, that is his personality. He's always played hard. He's always been that emotional guy. Uh, not a bad emotional guy, but a good emotional guy. Uh, so I, I really want to see what Detroit Lions do this year, honestly. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season to watch for them. And of course, you know, with how wide open the conference is, it's going to be a fun season to watch, see what the New Orleans Saints do. Terrence, man, I'm really grateful that I had the uh, the chance to fill in today. This was a blast. I loved working with you, man. Yes, I love working with you as well, man. I look forward to continuing doing more shows with you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to try to get you a Saints expert. But in the meantime, man, I will fill in whenever right here on Believe in Saints. For Terrence Copper, I'm Joe Serralo. This was Believe in Saints, presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.